Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Hi, how's everybody doing? Good, good to see you tonight. And for those of you I can't see, it's good that you're here. Just a heads up for those of you at home, uh, Sunday we're going to be taking communion, so you might want to get prepared for that, and we'll be giving you the information for that as we go along. Tonight we're going to start a new Bible study for a few weeks. It's a very short book. It's the second to last book in the Bible. It's the book of Jude, the book of Jude. We're going to look at Jude chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to talk about what the writer here says. And we're going to begin with the people to whom he's writing. It's fairly easy in these books to know where this is going, how it's working, because the writers almost always say, here you are, and here's who I'm writing to, and here's what it's about. So let's look at this. Verse 1. This letter's from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So here's what you want to look at. He calls himself a slave of Jesus. In other words, Jesus is in command. I just do what he tells me to do. A brother of James. James was one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. James was also a half-brother of Jesus. So that means Jude, or in the Greek, Judas, was also a half-brother of Jesus. I'm writing to all who've been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Boy, what's great words. Let's just look at that verse real quick, verse 2 there. Called by God the Father. Do, Do you know that you've been called by God? God has called you to be His child. God has called everyone to be His child. So, all are called, but not everybody responds to the call, do they? Look at what uh, he says here when he says, here's how you're called. In Corinthians, Paul writes, from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, and from our brother and sister, I'm writing to God's church in court, to you have been called by God to be His own holy people. God has called you, God invites you to be holy. He made you holy by means of Jesus Christ, just as He did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So in other words, He calls, do you respond to that call? And how do you respond to that call? By believing in Jesus Christ and knowing that He is able to save you. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.10, Brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. So if I respond to the call and answer God's call for me to be His child, then I act like that, correct? And so I prove by my actions, by my words, that I'm called, that He's chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's a calling that God has issued when He sent Jesus Christ into this world. He says, for all can come. He came into the whole world. Everyone is called by God. You and I are to respond to that call and then to live in accordance with that call that's been given. So we've been called by God the Father. And then he says, he loves you. 
We say it over and over again. We say it often. We say it in a lot of different ways. I could print Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. I, I hope that there isn't a person that I'm talking to tonight that does not doubt for a moment God loves you. Well, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know how many times I've done it. You don't know how I've made a mess of things. God always loves you. Nothing you do will ever change God's love for you. In fact, he says, while we were still sinners, when we didn't care, he still died for us. So know that God loves you. He's called you, and he loves you. And then this writer here, Jude, says this. He says, he wants to keep you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. Isn't it good to know that when you go through difficult times, God will keep you? He will keep you safe. Oh, but pastor, I know some people gone through hard, good Christians, and, you know, they passed away. <laughs> Paul says that's a victory. That's not a defeat. He will keep you safe. You can trust Him. You're securing Him. You know that He's at work. You know that He cares. You know that He's aware of what's going on. You know He's at work. You don't always see it. You don't always understand it. But He keeps you safe because Jesus Christ cares. He loves you, keeps you safe. 1 Peter 1.5, and through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last days for all to see. 2 Timothy 1.12, he says, this is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust and I am sure that He is able to guard what I've entrusted to Him until the day of His return. I am sure that He's able to take care of me until my time comes or until He comes. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you because God cares about you. So He cares. He's taking care of you. And then He says, may God give you more and more and more and more and more and more and more mercy, peace, and love. Multiply it is the terminology that's when he uses that more and more. May he just keep giving it to you. God will never stop loving you. He will always care for you. And he will give you all the mercy you need. And he will give you peace. No matter what. Now, let's go back through this. God's called us. God longs for us. He loves us. He cares for us. He's taking care of us. The problem is never on God's end. It's always on ours. Well, I don't feel like God loves me. That's not God's fault. That's yours. Well, I just don't have any peace. That's not God's fault. That's yours. Well, I, you know, I've done some bad things. I don't think God can ever forgive me. That's not God's fault. That's yours. He has all the mercies. In fact, it's new every day. And He just gives you, you think you need more love? He's got more to give. 
You need more peace? He's got more peace to give to you. You need more mercy? He'll keep giving it. Nothing you or I will that ever will happen, nothing you and I that we will ever do will stop God from giving us His mercy, His peace, and His love. It is available to every Christian every moment that you live. He's given it. He offers it. It's His care for us so that you and I, even in the midst of the time we're living in, God gives mercy. God doesn't give me what I deserve. Boy, I'm glad for that. God gives me peace. Even in all the questions that I've got and all the things I'd like to have resolved and everything else going on, God just keeps giving. And through it all, I never have to doubt He loves me. And He will always take care of me. So Jude begins this letter putting those facts into place. God just keeps giving. God does this. This is who God is. This is who I'm writing to. This is what I'm about. This is it. (laughs) Now, (laughs) it's kind of like, okay, I've got that. Here it is. But you know what? There's a problem. Here we go. And again, I've said it over and over. Have you ever noticed that much of the New Testament, written by Paul, written by Jude, written by Peter, written by James, John, they have to write because the church gets messed up. Is that even relevant to today? There always seems to be a problem, doesn't there? Always seems to be something going on that isn't right. And so he has to write to them. Notice what he says. I had been, friends, I, I, I really wanted to write to you about the salvation we all share. I wanted to make this a positive thing. I wanted just to continue to go on telling you about the greatness of God and how good He is and all that He does. But <laughs> now I find that I've got to write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to His holy people. Notice, once for all time. You only need it once because it's the truth. It's not going to come a second time. One time was enough because the truth doesn't change. The truth continues on in the way that it needs to be. And so God comes to that place where He says, look, I'm going to write to you about something. God has given to you this, and He did it once for all time. He gave it to you. You don't need to be looking for a second. You don't need to be looking for it. It's already here. He's already given it. Verse 4, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Now, when you think about immoral, it's not always a sexuality issue. Someone who steals is immoral. Someone who does things against God's way is immoral. The condemnation of six people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So the church 
is always on the edge of slipping away from wrong beliefs. The Christian is always on the edge of slipping away from wrong beliefs. I mean, there is so much garbage out there, and yet it always amazes me there's always someone who believes it. And if you're not careful, you begin to believe things that are wrong, thinking they're right. Oh, it makes sense to me. Well, it might make sense to you, but it's not right. It might seem logical to you, but that doesn't make it right. Remember, he's given the truth once for all time. You have to stay in that truth. The truth has been given. It will not change. And there is a battle that is going on, and we have to fight for faith. We can't allow the message to be weakened or watered down or compromise its authority or change its truth or explain away its power or its promises. Because we live in a day and time where there's a group of people saying, well, this is true and this is true, and it's not. Well, it sounds good, but it's not the truth. You know, they're saying, what are they saying? It doesn't matter how you live as long as you believe what's right. I'm here to tell you tonight, there's a lot of people who believe they're right and they're wrong. And they'll say they believe in God, but they don't live it. They'll say they're a Christian, but their life doesn't back it up. And what was going on in this church at this time was there were people who were saying, hey, I'm a Christian, I can do whatever I want and live however I want. Well, if you want to believe this, and I, I'm fighting the tendency, I could give you some very clear, easy examples that are going on in our society right now where people are saying, oh, don't talk like that. When you say you disagree with that, that's hateful. No, it's not hateful, it's just the truth. And you have to fight for truth. And you have to stay firm to truth. And others are going to say, well, no, I'm a Christian. I believe in God and I can do this. No, you're wrong. You can't. And that is a battle that the church still fights today. From within and from without. There's people within the church, well, I can be a Christian and do this and this and this. I don't think so. And people without, well, I, I am a good person. I do this, this, this. I'm okay. No, you're not. And so that's what Jude's writing about. There's people around you who are saying, it's okay to behave this way and to act this way and to talk this way. And Jude says, I'm here to tell you that's not right. Paul addressed this in Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. So in other words, God gave Ten Commandments. Let's just take it that. There's others involved. Let's just, God gave those so that you could see, here's the standard. Here's what you got to keep. When you break it, you're wrong. It doesn't change. You don't steal. You don't commit adultery. You you honor God. All of those things, they're right down the line. They've been given once for all. They're still good. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So no matter how much you sin, God still has the grace to cover that, doesn't He? 
So just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them into death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, see, Pastor, there it is. No matter what I do, God will forgive me. And I've had people tell me that. I'm going to do this. I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me. He will, but there will still be prices to pay, and it's still wrong. And there still will be issues. And so people think, well, you know, God's a forgiving God, and His grace will go forever. Paul ends that chapter and begins the next one. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So Paul writes to this church. He tells them the problems that are there. They're saying, you know what? Grace allows you to live however you want to live. You just go ahead and do it. In other words, becoming a Christian doesn't have to change anything in your behavior. Becoming a Christian doesn't have to change how you talk and your attitudes and the way you look at things. Becoming a Christian doesn't make a difference in your life because you can just go on living however you want. You've accepted God, so therefore just live however you want to live. Jude writes and says, no, not happening, and I'm going to have to deal with it, and I'm going to call you on it. Paul writes, you can't do it. Look, Peter, look what Peter says. There were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them, Jesus Christ. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered, will be made weaker, will be called into question. And so Jude writes and he says, look, there's a problem here. I wanted to write to you about the greatness of our salvation, the greatness of God and how wonderful He is, but there's a problem going on within your body. And there are people that are saying, hey, look, it doesn't matter how you live. Do what you want. God's grace will take care of it all. And Jude says, no, no. Because you and I are different, right? We're called peculiar in places. We don't live like everybody else. Jesus Christ coming into your life and our life when we've answered His call changes us. We no longer live for self. Now we live for Christ and we are slaves of Christ. And so Jude is addressing this, letting them know, look, I want to write the other, but I, I got to stop this. It's not healthy. And it's not good for you. He says, look, if you do that, there's punishment that's going to follow. There's punishment that's going to follow. Understand something. God is a just God. There is justice. Now, all of us want justice. When somebody does something bad to us, we want justice, don't we? You hear the cry going on all the time. I want them to pay. I want justice. And we really cling to that and we really want that 
until you and I don't want justice, we want mercy. So, but Paul writes, John writes, Peter writes, Jude writes, look, you have to understand something. If you live that kind of life thinking you can do whatever you want and it doesn't matter, you need to understand something. God will call you into question. Punishment for those who refuse to believe. In other words, well, I know what the Bible says. I know what God says. But, you know, this is just different. It's not new. It's been going on for a long, long time. Notice what he says, verse 5. I want to remind you, though you already know it, Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. In other words, he said, look, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to take care of you. I love you. I'll give you mercy. I'll provide for you. I'll protect you. I'll give you everything you need, but I'm the only God you can serve. You can't serve any other gods. But what did they do? They went after other gods. They did their own thing. Well, we know what God says, and we're great, but, but you know what? We're, we're His chosen people, so we can go act as we want, and God destroyed them. You find that over and over again throughout the Old Testament of the Jewish nation. God says, do this. They, yeah, we're going to do it. And then what do they do? They go their own way, don't they? Whenever you decide to go your own way and not God's way, there is always a price to pay. Well, but I thought you said God can forgive. God can forgive. He will. But there still is a price to pay. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. I think that's us. And so, he says, look, if you go out and do your own thing, and think, well, I go to church and I, I, I serve God and I've asked God, but I'm going to live like I want, there will be a price to pay. Punishment for those who overstep their boundaries. They overstep their boundaries. Verse 6. I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. Now, we all know that at some point in time, Satan and a third of the angels all left and rebelled against God. Some of them are evidently in hell now. Some of them are still at work in the earth. Now, if you want me to answer questions on this, I'm sorry, I can't, I don't know. Well, what about this and this? I don't know. Now, why don't I know? Because the Bible doesn't tell us. We just have to accept the fact that one day Satan and all his angels are going to be judged and thrown into hell. Why? They overstepped their boundaries. They thought they were in control. They thought they knew better. They thought they could rewrite the rules. They thought 
you know, today, well, God's a little strict. I don't think he really means that. I don't think it's really like that. I, I, I think we can do this and I'll do this. And you get prideful, you get arrogant, you begin to believe you know better. <laughs> Again, Peter writes, Second Peter chapter 2, God did not even spare the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they're being held until the day of judgment. Hell is very real. And when you and I begin to think we know better than God, we overstep our authority and our boundaries. And there is always a price to pay, isn't there? Jesus told a story one day and he had this line in it in this verse in Matthew 25, verse 41. The king will return, will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For those who do not answer the call of God and do not live a life that is a result of that call, one day there will be a big price to pay because they thought they were in charge and God wasn't. And they overstepped the boundaries and hell is real. But the great news is, so is heaven. Heaven's a real place. And you and I get to look forward to that place. Why? Because we've answered the call of God. And we live for Him and not ourselves. Finally, punishment for those who behave sinfully. Look at verse 7 of Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter in Jude. Punishment for those who behave sinfully. Don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which they were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire that is God's judgment. God will judge the earth. God will judge people. His grace is real. His mercy is real. His peace, His love is great. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to go to heaven. But you have to answer the call. And if you don't and you begin to live a life that you think you know better and you don't really believe everything you say you are but you don't act like it and you overstep the boundaries and do whatever you want to do, and go beyond what God has given us permission to do. And we just live a life that's filled with just our own ways and doing whatever we want to do. There's a price to pay. And Jude writes to this church and says, look, you serve a God who cares for you, who loves you, who will give you more and more grace and who will take care of you day after day after day in an unlimited fashion. But understand, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. And you have to stay in touch with the truth of God's Word, no matter what everyone else in the world is doing. God's Word does not change. It was given once for all times. It is still true there still is a way to live that is right before God. And you and I don't get to change the rules. 
change the boundaries. God has already established them. And Jude writes to these people and gives them this warning. And so you and I have to constantly guard what we believe. Constantly stay true to God's Word. Because if you're not careful, you'll listen to all the junk going on in the world today and think everybody's doing it. Well, everybody's not. There will always be people who will try and twist the truth. Who will try to say, you can serve God and still do all of this. You can serve God and do this. Don't buy into it. Because when you twist the truth, all it's doing is allowing the flesh to indulge itself. And it diminishes the power of God. It diminishes the demands of God. And it diminishes God's ability to care for you. We are called to be holy people and to be true to the faith that God has given to us through His Word. No matter what the world says. And you and I have to fight it day after day after day. But great news, one day it will be worth it all. Good news, while you're fighting, God's got mercy for you more and more and more and peace for you more and more and more. And His love for you will never change. Keep fighting the good fight. Stay true to the truth of God's Word because God cares for you. Let's pray. Lord, we read this book that was written thousands of years ago, and yet it's still relevant to us today. Still, there are those who try to come in and say, we can live as we want, do what we want, act like we want, and still be all right. That's not the truth. So we thank you for the truth and that you've called us to live in that truth. And that when we respond to that call, you will give us more and more and more and more mercy and peace and love. Thank you for your presence in our life, for the truth that you've given to us, and for the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. May we go and live according to that truth tonight, I pray. In thy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.